You are Locked On Nittany Lions, your daily podcast on the Penn State Nittany Lions, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Penn State may not be welcoming fans to Beaver Stadium this year, but they certainly want you to be a part of the game day experience. I'm going to tell you how they're going to allow for that option for you this fall. Hi, everybody. I'm Kevin McGuire, host here of the Locked On Nittany Lions podcast, a contributor to AthlonSports.com, and today is Wednesday, October 7th, 2020. Yes, we are one day closer to the start of that football season that's coming up in just a few short weeks. It's going to be here before you know it, guys, and I cannot wait to cover it from start to finish with you guys right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are doing this every day, Monday through Friday. As the motto says, we are doing this five times a week. Now's the time to get in. Make sure you're subscribed. Make sure your friends and your fellow Penn State fans are subscribed. We're doing a lot of big things right now. The numbers are great. We want to keep growing this podcast moving forward to the start of that season. And I have a pretty good feeling that we're going to be in for a pretty good ride this fall. So again, make sure you're subscribed in whatever podcasting app you're using to listen to this episode right now. And then when the episode's over, go back and leave a rating or review. Let us know what you thought about today's episode and, of course, the podcast in general. You can also reach out to us in a variety of ways on social media by using the username LockedOnNittany on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitch. Like I said, we're doing this five days a week. We're going to have some additional content coming in through those various social media platforms. You want to stay connected and stay in tune with everything we've got going on. So lots of stuff to get into in today's episode. Again, we're going to talk about how Penn State is going to invite you guys to still be a part of the game day experience. But first, I want to open up by reflecting on a former Penn State coach that is now back on the job market. Let's go ahead and get started. Naturally, we don't talk a lot about the NFL on this podcast, although we'll dip into seeing what some former Nittany Lions are doing at the next level every now and then. And I feel like I needed to address at least one of the major stories coming out of the NFL this week, which was the firing of former Penn State head coach Bill O'Brien by the Houston Texans. And I think a lot of people sort of saw this coming. The hot seat talk was there for Bill O'Brien, certainly after last season, uh, the fact that they got off to a really rough start this season. Uh, a couple tough games on their schedule, but n- no excuses. I think a lot of was expected of the Texans with Deshaun Watson at quarterback and what Bill O'Brien was supposed to be able to do offensively. Things just weren't working out uh, for Houston as far as you know what those expectations were. So after an 0-4 start to the season, uh, Bill O'Brien is no longer the head coach of the Texans, also the general manager. Let's not forget that he was the head coach and general manager, and he probably took a lot of criticism for his general manager decisions, more so than his head coaching decisions. But of course, when you give a head coach that kind of a dual role, the pressure is going to be on a little bit more. And that's why you typically don't see a lot of head coaches take on the general manager role, especially when they haven't had a tremendous amount of success as a head coach. And I love Bill O'Brien, don't get me wrong, Uh, but I think it was pretty unwise for Houston to go all in on the Bill O'Brien experience by naming him a general manager as well. But of course, Bill O'Brien, I'm a big fan of, and I think any Penn State fan uh, can look back at the short time that they had with Bill O'Brien as a head coach, and they realize that he was probably the perfect guy for the job at the time that he came in. I don't need to rehash everything that went on leading to the hiring of Bill Bryan. You know the story very well. But there's no question that Penn State was in a time where they needed a guy that was really headstrong. A, a guy that was you know kind of going to tell it like it was. 
be honest, be open, and be blunt with where they were going with the program. They needed a guy that had some experience as a professional head coach, I guess, actually came into play here uh, with as far as uh, the roster management was concerned. And that was one of the things that I remember Bill O'Brien saying when the NCAA uh, slapped the sanctions against Penn State and slashed or dashed their uh, scholarship limits. That was one of the things that Bill O'Brien took from his experience at the NFL, where you're only working with uh, 53-something players on an active roster. Uh, And so when you lose that many scholarships, as Penn State did, that wasn't something that was necessarily uh, being seen as a big issue that Bill O'Brien was going to have to worry about. Now, maybe he did concern himself more with that uh, reality uh, behind closed doors. But I got to say, I I have a tremendous amount of respect for Bill O'Brien and the job that he did coming into Penn State. Now, remember when he was hired, of course, he was basically the successor to Joe Paterno, although Tom Bradley was was officially the interim head coach uh, in between Paterno and Bill O'Brien. But obviously, Bill O'Brien was the guy that really took over the program from the Joe Paterno era and kind of set the foundation for what James Franklin was going to be walking into and helping to uh, evolve the program to take those next steps. And I I think enough cannot be said about the work that Bill O'Brien actually did. And remember, this is a program that was being written off entirely by national scribes everywhere, national pundits. Uh, Nobody thought that Penn State was going to win a whole lot uh, of games, let alone have a winning record. And Bill O'Brien managed to do just that. He had a winning record in each of his two seasons on the job. Now, when Bill O'Brien was hired, I looked at his resume, obviously, you know, assistant with the New England Patriots, had some college experience for sure, but he always seemed like a guy that was going to be the uh, the short-term fix for Penn State as a head coach uh, before he eventually you know, landed a job elsewhere. And if things had gone well for him at Penn State, that was probably going to lead to one of those opportunities in the NFL to be a head coach because he was a highly regarded offensive coordinator with Bill Belichick in the New England Patriots. So as long as he didn't go completely in the tank when he was at Penn State, he was going to get those opportunities and phone calls. And and certainly that was obviously the case because after two years uh, coaching at Penn State in the postseason ban, sanctions, all that stuff that he had to deal with, he was given the offer to go to the Houston Texans. And I thought it was a great landing spot for him, to be honest with you. I really did feel as though uh, you know, the job that he did at Penn State uh, was more than serviceable, and he deserved an opportunity to go to a franchise like the Houston Texans, which I think has a pretty good ceiling, and try to build something. And I thought he had some really good pieces as well. So uh, it's a shame that it did not work out for him there. I was really rooting for him uh, at the Houston with the Houston Texans, and it's a shame that that's not going to be the case. So uh, I guess the question now is, where does Bill Bryan go from here? Uh, let's just rule this out entirely right now. He's not going to come to Penn State. <laughs> as much as the, the, the world of a, a James Franklin head coach and Bill O'Brien offensive coordinator pairing sounds enticing to me, I don't think we can really consider that as a realistic scenario. But I do think that uh, Bill O'Brien's probably going to land somewhere back in the NFL as an offensive coordinator, if not a head coach. Uh, uh, certainly, the NFL will recycle head coaches uh, as they go by. And I do think that Bill O'Brien can be a good head coach. Just don't make him the general manager. <laughs> let's, just, let's let's let him uh, just focus on coaching for right now. And obviously, he can have a relationship with the general manager. But if he's going to be the head coach, let's just make him the head coach at the NFL. But I do think that you know, maybe in the more immediate future, maybe an offensive coordinator a uh, year or two there as an offensive coordinator somewhere is probably going to be the best case scenario. Now, 
uh, you always keep an eye on that New England staff because coaches will go back to Bill Belichick if that's going to help their cause. And that certainly would not be out of the question. Uh, I'd be very curious to see where Bill O'Brien goes from here. But like I said, he's not going to go to Penn State. He's not going to be an offensive coordinator. If if James Franklin happens to leave for another job, uh, uh, maybe we can have that discussion. I'd be very curious to see what Bill O'Brien could do with a full allotment of uh, scholarship offers to, to hand out. But let's not focus on that. Now, another college job? Maybe. But again, I think this is going to be an NFL or bust situation for Bill O'Brien moving forward. Sometimes it feels like you're just running up against the wall. Well, if you're looking for a way to break through that wall, then Built Go is going to be the solution for you. From the same people that brought you Built Bars is Built Go. It's an energy gel with collagen protein. They come in one and a half ounce packages. You can pack them in your lunch. You can throw them in a book bag, throw them in your briefcase, take them on the go, and it's going to give you the nice little boost that you need. I know I've been packing them in my lunch over the past week, and it is a great way to get me through that afternoon shift. They work so well, my coworkers are wondering how I have so much energy after lunch. I tell them, Built Go. It is an amazing product. Right now, it comes in three delicious flavors including peanut butter honey, chocolate coconut, and chocolate mint. I gotta say, the peanut butter honey, squeeze that out and put it on an apple, that is a delicious treat for you right there. Or you can just be like me and just take it straight out of the package. If you want to check them out for yourself, I highly advise you do so. Visit BuiltGo.com and use the promo code LOCKED. They're going to give you 30% off your next order. That's 30% off your next order. Again, use the promo code LOCKED for 30% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go! So when the Big Ten does come back later on this month, they are going to do so with absolutely no fans being allowed inside the stadiums, at least at the start of the year. I don't know if as the season goes along, if things happen to get better as far as the pandemic is concerned, if the Big Ten will allow the doors to be opened to any small degree. I'm sure that that is what the wishful thinking is for a lot of schools, especially those with bigger stadiums like Penn State, Michigan, and Ohio State. But I would count on not being able to attend a Penn State game this fall. It stinks, and it's not unprecedented. We certainly have seen a lot of empty stadiums around the world of sports over the course of the past couple of months with baseball and the NFL. I guess it depends on which city you're talking about. And, of course, even in college, we're seeing reduced crowds. But you're not going to see any Penn State fans filling into Beaver Stadium at any time too soon. So what do you do in the meantime? Well, one of the ideas that I was kind of hoping that Penn State would embrace would be the idea of the cardboard cutout fans. And I know I'm with you. I probably am one of the many people who, when I first saw the idea of cardboard cutouts in baseball stadiums in Korea, I thought it was absolutely ridiculous. And I was saying, there's no way that is going to fly here. Well, you know what? I live in the Philadelphia area, and I got to give credit to what the Philadelphia Phillies did. They packed their lower bowl of the Citizens Bank Park with cardboard cutouts. It was amazing to see. And I think uh, I'm very curious to see if that's going to carry over and continue to fill up as the Philadelphia Eagles uh, continue through this season with their own cardboard cutouts. And I, I, I watch enough sports where I can see that some fan bases react to the whole cardboard cutout a little bit differently. Some fan bases certainly embrace it more than others. 
Uh, I was surprised at how few cardboard cutouts I saw with the Boston Red Sox, for instance. Maybe it was just a small sample size that I got a chance to soak in. If there's more cardboard cutouts out there that I was unaware of, so be it. I didn't see a whole lot with the Washington Nationals, uh, but that's why I was really impressed by the turnout that the Phillies had. Now, Penn State is going to be doing that. This year at Beaver Stadium, you can buy your own cutout. You can buy up to four cutouts, I believe it is. So it's $85 for the first cardboard cutout, and then it's $75 for each additional cardboard cutout after that. And I believe they announced that you can see you can get up to three additional cutouts for a total of four. So if you typically go to Penn State games with four people and you still want to have your face in the crowd this year in Beaver Stadium, that's it's gonna cost you. And I, I don't know if how many people are going to do that. I do think it's a pretty cool idea. And of course, the proceeds will go to some very worthy causes, including Thon and a couple scholarship funds that are available at Penn State. I should mention that this is just a small part of the, uh, the attempt for Penn State to present a virtual Valley experience as they unrolled on Tuesday afternoon, uh, laying out all the details of how they're going to try and make Penn State football games as much of an interactive experience for fans wherever they may be since they will not be allowed to come into the stadium. Penn State is also not allowing tailgating in uh, around the, in the parking lots on campus either, so you got to be mindful of that. I know uh, there's probably wasn't going to be a whole lot of tailgating anyway, but you know that there was going to be somebody that was planning a tailgate in the parking lot as long as they were able to get out there. Even if they couldn't go in the stadium, the tailgating experience alone is just as much of a tradition of going to a Penn State game as anything else. So if they couldn't go to a game, at least they could get the tailgating experience. Well, that's not going to be the case either. So the cardboard cutouts is one way to allow Penn State to open up the experience to as many people as possible. And again, of course, these proceeds will go to worthy causes. So I see no real harm in that. And I'm very curious to see just what the turnout is going to be. I suspect that there are going to be a good number of cardboard cutouts. Now, the question is, how many? Uh, Obviously, this is a a very large stadium. Up to 110,000 fans can cram in there. It would be awesome to see 110,000 cardboard cutouts. I don't think we're going to see that. But I do think no matter how many fans do decide to get the cutouts, Penn State can also do some fun things themselves, as we've seen some other teams do. Uh, They can have some fun with their history. They can put out cardboard cutouts of past players, past coaches, um, you know, past band members. There are so many different ways you can go about it. You can have some fun with it, and and I hope that that's the case. I hope that there are some fun uh, cutouts that will be out there. I'm sure there will be a cardboard cutout of the Nittany Lion, uh, and I think that would be pretty cool to see. Hey, Bill O'Brien's around. Maybe have a cardboard cutout of him. I'm very curious to see what Penn State does with the cardboard cutouts. I think they're fun. I I think they're harmless. I think it's a a fun way to fill up the the empty seats because honestly, I think it looks better than a whole empty stadium with no cardboard cutouts. So I'm all for cardboard cutouts. Let me know if you're going to get a cardboard cutout. There are other things that Penn State will be doing, of course. There's the Raise the Song virtual campaign where Penn State fans can record a video of them cheering, and that will be played in the stadium. Now, I'll be very curious to see how that is all uh, rolled out. Are they playing just one fan on the video board, or are they going to have a a screen with multiple fans cheering at various points? I don't know, and I think the fact that you're never actually going to see that either, uh, I, I don't know how much of the, a great idea that'll actually end up being, but you know, it's a fun little thing that you can do, so there's no harm in that either. 
the one experience I think is actually going to be pretty neat, and I think everybody should at least check it out if they can, is they're going to allow fans to watch and listen to the radio broadcast uh, through a live video feed uh, of the radio team during games. And so I thought it would be pretty cool to see Steve Jones and Jack Ham uh, going through their process and getting a live look as they are calling the games. Now, it'd be really cool if you could somehow sync that video up with what's actually happening in the game so you can see their reaction in the moment. That's a pretty techy uh, thing that I'm not going to venture with, but that's a pretty cool idea. Again, I don't know you know how often that's going to be utilized by people, but I think it'd be pretty cool to see a radio team in their in their element, and I think that that'd be pretty cool. Obviously, you can always listen to the game on the radio anyway, but I don't know how many people actually listen to the games on the radio unless they're in the car uh, and or you know just outside. Uh, at a tailgate in the parking lot. I, I'm, again, no tailgating. So I, I'd be very curious to see how that is uh, received. And, and I think that that's pretty cool. I know I'll be tuning in and checking it out at least at some point. Uh, that'd be pretty cool to see. And I hope that there's some video clips as well. Uh, that would be pretty, pretty cool to see Steve Jones uh, calling a big play in that game against Ohio State or something like that. So Penn State is finding ways to allow you to still be a part of their experience because obviously they want you to be in the stadium, but that's not going to be possible. So if you can't have fans in the stadium, let's find other ways to bring that experience to fans wherever they may be. And uh, hey, let me know. Are you going to get a cardboard cutout? And if you're so, I want to see a picture of it. I want to see your cardboard cutout uh, right here on the Locked on Nittany Alliance podcast. So uh, one thing I will also mention, they do want you to wear white in those cardboard cutouts. They're still going for a whiteout. So let's see how many fans can send in those cardboard cutouts and see how many are there by the time the Penn State hosts Ohio State in their home opener on Halloween. It's a big game. It's right around the corner. Let's see if how many uh, cardboard cutouts we can get in that stadium. So yesterday on the podcast, we had our Twitter Tuesday, where we took a chance to answer some of your questions that came in on our Twitter account, at LockedOnNittany. And again, if you want to be a part of next week's Twitter Tuesday, send in your questions at any time, but make sure they're in by 3 p.m. on Monday afternoons, because that's when I typically will record for that next day's podcast. So make sure you send in your questions. It can be about Penn State, the Big Ten college football in general, or any other non-related question, we can have some fun with this, and the more questions, the merrier. But as expected, there will be some times when we record the podcast, and then a couple more questions come in. And this was one of those cases where I did want to address one of the questions that were popped in my way after I had already recorded, edited, and put together the podcast for uh, yesterday. So the big question was, and this has been something that's been kind of a fun topic to discuss and we've done it a little bit on this podcast before but I figured why not do it again the question comes from R Blate on Twitter he says all right riddle me this what are Big Ten and Pac-12 schools in doing in the AP poll and then he says they should not appear take up a slot until after their week one occurs in my opinion I will note that this fan on Twitter does have an Alabama uh, avatar so there's probably a little bit of an SEC bias going on here but I, I do say this I and I've said this before I, I think it's going to be a weird year for the top 25 polls right we've already established that from the preseason polls when the AP top 25 came out and we already knew at that time the Big Ten was not scheduled to be playing games nor was the Pac-12 but the AP decided to put together a top 25 poll of what they thought the season might look like 
And then once the football games did start, they were going to drop off all the conferences, all the member, all the teams from conferences that were not playing games at that time. So the Big Ten teams dropped out. Oregon from the Pac-12 dropped out. And then, of course, uh, teams from the MAC and the Mountain West Conference um, and a few of those independent schools, uh, they were not going to be eligible for the top 25 either. Now, the, the logic there was that there was no sense in ranking teams that were not going to be playing. I, mean, I get that. I totally understood that. But they were the precedent was being said that when the Big Ten did return, that Big Ten teams were not going to be eligible to be voted on until they actually started playing games. And this applies for the Pac-12 and these other conferences as well. And to me, I understand that. I, I think that is the perfect way to go about it. If you're doing a top 25 ranking, ideally, as far as I'm concerned, you are ranking teams based on their performance, not necessarily their overall expectations going into the season. So yes, while I would take an 0-0 Ohio State ahead of an undefeated Notre Dame right now, I don't think that it makes sense to rank a team that hasn't played ahead of a team that has played and has won all of their games so far. Now, like I said before, every pollster is going to have a different mechanic or a different method of establishing their own polls. But to me, I think it's a perfectly reasonable expectation to say that until you play a game, there's no reason to rank you. And I've always said this too. I'm not just saying this because of this season, but I do think that it's kind of weird, right? That's what I've been saying all along. This is just a weird year for the polls. And it was kind of interesting though, that that logic didn't necessarily apply to SEC teams. And what's funny is I'm, I'm seeing the criticisms about Big Ten teams jumping back in the rankings now. It seems like they're coming more from SEC territory, which is ironic because the SEC just started playing games two weeks ago, yet SEC teams were still being ranked in the month of September before that conference got back on the field for the first time. So while we are not ranking Big Ten or Pac-12 teams that haven't played yet, SEC teams were being ranked. So maybe there's some bias here. I, I think if you really study the polls, you kind of understand that where you're ranked beginning of the season does seem to have some kind of impact or influence on how you're going to be ranked as the season progresses. So it's going to be very interesting when the Big Ten does play their games, assuming that teams like Ohio State and Penn State and Wisconsin and Minnesota, assuming that those schools win their games early on. And Minnesota's got Michigan in that opener, so it's not exactly a gimme. Where do they fall in line as far as the rankings are concerned? Because up to this point, Clemson is very likely still to be undefeated and looking very good. Uh, we'll see what they do against Miami. Alabama, I'm sure, will still be on a roll. Florida and Georgia have looked pretty good as well, and they've kind of established themselves among those top teams in the country. Uh, where will Ohio State be if they blast Nebraska 48-0 in their home opener? Or where will Penn State be if they go on the road against Indiana and come away with a, a good 21-point victory? That'd be great if that's the case, by the way. I'm not saying that's an official prediction, but it would be very cool if that ends up being the situation for Penn State. I'll take that. But I, I don't know what to expect of it. But I do think that it's kind of strange to have teams that have not played a game yet be ranked in your top 25. Again, since we are in the midst of the season right now. 
But I'm also not going to waste time on anybody who is whining about Big Ten or Pac-12 teams appearing in these top 25 polls. Top 25 polls are dumb anyway. They're there just for content purposes, just for people to get upset and discuss them. That's what we're doing right now. So we are a victim of the game as well. So I never take too much stock into the top 25 polls. Ultimately, the only poll that matters this year is the final ranking that the College Football Playoff Selection Committee will put together because that will decide which four teams are going to play in the playoff, the other teams that are going to fill in the New Year's Six Bowl slots, and which group of five conference champion is going to be in that mix in the New Year's Six. That's the only thing the rankings are there for. This isn't like the old BCS days where the BCS had a formula taking into account different polls and different rankings and different metrics to formulate its own uh, calculated ranking. So I don't really care what the AP Top 25 does. I don't really care what the coaches poll does. Yes, I'll comment on it. I'll share and relay that information with you and give my uh, initial reactions and feedback, but I am not going to waste too much more breath on debating who should be ranked, where should they be ranked, and why they are or are not ranked. So if it bothers you, let me know. I'd be very curious to see what your reactions are about uh, the whole Top 25 situation. But for me, I'm certainly not losing sleep over this, and neither should you. Well, that's going to do it for today's podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to this edition of the Locked On Nittany Lions podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Quick shout out to all the new shows that are coming on board, especially on the College Channel. I know the Locked On Buckeyes podcast is back with a new host, so make sure you go check that out for some Ohio State coverage. Of course, we've got some great coverage going on with Locked On Hawkeyes, Locked On Spartans, and of course, Locked On Wolverines covering all things Michigan State, Michigan, Iowa, respectively. And there's also the Locked On Big Ten podcast, which you got to make sure you're checking that out as well. We've got all angles of the Big Ten being covered, and there's great content across the board. It doesn't matter if you're a fan of those teams or not. You might want to go check them out, see what they're saying about some of Penn State's upcoming opponents and, of course, the state of the entire Big Ten. I'm Kevin McGuire. You can give me a follow on Twitter at Kevin on CFB, but I'm reminding you to make sure you hit that subscribe button in your podcast app right now. Make sure you're subscribed to Locked on Nittany Lines, and then make sure you're connecting with us on our social media feeds using the username Locked on Nittany on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitch. That's it for me today. Go have a wonderful day. Go 1-0 today, I should say. And we will be back talking some more Penn State football with you on Thursday. We're getting close to the end of the week, which means we're just getting that much closer to the start of the Penn State football season. Thanks for listening, guys. I'll talk to you later. Have a good one.